Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Kia ora and welcome from RNZ National. Here's Our Changing World with me, Alison Balance. Let's kick off with things that glow in the dark. Deep sea fish do it. Glowworms and fireflies do it, and so do some squid. They all bioluminesce, which is basically produce light. Now, they often use light-emitting enzymes or proteins to produce that eerie glow, and that's something that fascinates Kurt Krauss and Miriam Sharp. I meet the pair in the biochemistry department at the University of Otago, and Kurt begins by explaining that his fascination goes back a long way. For me, it started way back when I was in graduate school. So I was working on the crystal structure of an enzyme that was involved in cancer research. But there was a famous bioluminescence researcher named Woody Hastings who was in the bio labs. And he invited me to visit one day. And I visited Woody. And Woody was sort of like the mad scientist whose lab was filled with a whole bunch of bioluminescent bacteria and other organisms and things that glowed in the dark. And he took me around and showed me all these things. And I was completely fascinated. And at the time, he was working on an enzyme from bacteria that generated light. And all the enzymes that make light are called luciferase just by general agreement because they generate light. And so he said, Kurt, we want you to purify this enzyme and we want you to figure out how the enzyme is able to come up with with producing light. So it became kind of a side project to my main PhD project. And the idea of enzymes producing light is just really, really cool, right? And in some ways, it seems completely not useful. And it flies in the face of the idea that all science must be useful. But it turns out that this enzyme now is at the root of a billion-dollar biotech industry because scientists use these enzymes in lots of different cool ways. So anyway, that's a bit of an aside. I started that project, worked on it for many years, and then have kind of maintained a lifelong interest in enzymes that make light. Then I moved to New Zealand and found out that you guys have some of the coolest organisms that make light. And the glowworms are, you know, five minutes away from my lab in Dunedin, and we used to go visit them, and it was like, we've got to figure this out, right? So that's how I got started. And that's where Miriam came in? That's right. So we figured out how to collect glowworms and where to collect glowworms and um, started mushing them up to see what was inside them. And what did you find out about their protein? Well, after a lot of work, we've found the protein that we think produces the light. And what we plan to do is to make that protein artificially. Once you've made a protein artificially, you can then seriously research how it works. But until you do, you don't really have enough of it to research it properly. So we have been trying to uh, make that protein using bacteria, but it doesn't grow well in bacteria, it turns out. That's our standard tool for making proteins. So we're trying a few other systems at the moment, including, weirdly enough, insect cell culture, 
which I think could be a good way of growing um, insect proteins. Once we have that protein made artificially, we can test to see whether it makes light and uh, keep, keep working on it to figure out how it works. So has this been a, a tougher nut to crack than you thought it might be, or is this pretty much par for the course? I'm old and experienced, and I know that all nuts are tough to crack. So it's it's been a huge challenge, but Miriam has made big, big advances, and we have a student, Oliver Watkins, who's been working on this with an, our collaborator in, in chemistry, Nigel Perry, and they've made incredible advances. So I think we're right hopefully, I should say knock on wood, right on the edge of cracking the nut. So we have a good idea what the protein is, and we've also got a pretty good idea of what the um, chemical is that's involved in light generation. So now it's just a matter of tying up the loose ends, as it were. To get a real idea of the chemical mechanism, though, we want to actually determine the three-dimensional structure of the enzyme in the presence of this small molecule, and that will be the real prize. So we have to figure the best way to get a lot of the enzyme, and then we have to purify it, grow crystals of it, which look just sort of like mineral crystals, but they're crystals of protein, and then use a, a field called protein crystallography to generate enough data to allow us to do the structure of all the atoms of the enzyme. So that field's been around for decades now, but the biggest challenge is making the protein happy. So Miriam's involved in figuring, figuring out how to make the protein happy now. Because protein molecules, I think, are a lot like cats. You know, you can't get them to do what you want, and whatever you want them to do, they don't do. Uh, so it involves a bit of cajoling, if you will, to get the protein happy in the lab. A lot of cajoling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's keeping you kind of busy. Yeah, and in the meantime, you've got squid to work on. That's right. I guess it continues the theme of crystals. Miriam is so clever. She found these squid in Japan that actually grow their own protein crystals. So it bypasses the huge problem we have of getting the protein and crystallizing it, right? It's very, very exciting. So these squid, tell me about the squid. The squid is known as the Japanese firefly squid, Hotaru Ika in Japan. Uh, and its Latin name is Watasenia scintillans. They're about six or seven centimetres long, and they live in very deep water off the west coast of Japan. And once a year in the northern hemisphere spring, they come close to shore to spawn, and they are caught in huge, huge numbers for the markets in Japan. They're considered a great delicacy, these, these squid. And these squid happen to have these um, large light organs on the ends of two of its arms. If you, if you turn the lights off and you disturb the squid, they have little light organs scattered across their bodies. They glow um, brilliant blue colour. But it's the ones on the tips of the tentacles that interest you. That's right. So it turns out that inside these um, light organs are masses and masses of tiny little protein crystals. And when the squid were first looked at, people dissected these light organs and they saw these under microscopes, they saw these tiny little rodlets, they called them. And at first they thought, okay, these must be bacteria, because in other bioluminescent squid there's a symbiotic relationship with glowing bacteria and so it's not the actual squid that glows, but it's these bacteria that allow them to make light. 
But with these squid, it turns out that those tiny little rodlets, which do look a bit like bacteria, and they're about the same size as bacteria, um, those rodlets are not bacteria, they're actually protein crystals. And in 2011, a paper came out confirming that these rodlets were protein crystals and that they do indeed catalyse the um, production of light. And having a background in what we call protein crystallography, this really sparked my interest. So we use the method of crystallising proteins artificially um, as a step towards finding out what the proteins look like and how they work. Naturally occurring protein crystals is an amazing thing to, to stumble across. So I thought, why don't we try and get hold of these uh, protein crystals and shoot them with some x-rays and see if we can solve the structure of the proteins inside these crystals and figure out how they work. So um, along with um, a collaborator, um, Neil Patterson, at the uh, Diamond Synchrotron Light Source in the UK, and another collaborator, Peter Metcalf, who comes from the University of Auckland, we went to Japan and dissected the squid, collected some of the protein crystals, and we tried freezing them, which is something we often do with protein crystals, and sent them to the synchrotron. But unfortunately, we didn't get any diffraction from these crystals. They didn't behave as we wanted them to. It turns out they're really, really unstable, and they dissolve very, very quickly. And I think freezing them just destroys them, unfortunately, instead of preserving them. So we're in the midst of trying to uh, figure out different ways of shooting these crystals with x-rays. And in the meantime, what I have done is I've um, identified the proteins in those crystals. How did you go about identifying the proteins? We approached it with two different techniques. We took the ends of the arm tips with the light organs in them and we sequenced the RNA inside these light organs. So RNA is a molecule a bit like DNA, in this case the mRNA. The information that this RNA gives us is the genes that encode proteins. So we basically made a database of all the sequences of all the proteins that are in these arm tips. And of course there are thousands and thousands of proteins in these arm tips, so you need another technique to figure out which are the proteins that are interesting, the ones that actually are in the crystals. So we extracted the crystals from the rest of the arm tip tissue and we analysed them using a technique called SDS page, which basically you, you separate out your proteins um, according to their sizes, then use another technique called mass spectrometry to identify each protein that's been separated out on this gel. To be able to do this mass spectrometry properly, you need a database of genes to refer to. So we managed to bring that the protein from one side, the protein analysis, and the um, transcriptome analysis from the other side, and um, used them to identify the proteins. 
the crazy thing is there's these three proteins in these crystals. They're all very similar to each other. And it turns out that they're in the same superfamily of proteins as the bioluminescent protein you find in fireflies, which is entirely unexpected. So bioluminescence in squid and bioluminescence in fireflies and in any other different type of creature, it's evolved separately, it's independently arisen, and there are therefore different, usually, different proteins and different substrates, small molecules involved in that bioluminescent reaction in different creatures. So to find proteins that are related to each other um, catalyzing the bioluminescent reaction in squid and fireflies. Which are two very different kinds of creatures. Extremely different types of creatures. Yeah, that was quite unexpected. Oh, and I should say they, they use different small molecules. They have different substrates, very different substrates. So that was kind of cool. So even though you've been having problems on the one hand, you've also had this really exciting, unexpected finding. Exactly, which is why research is so cool. <laughs> so the other thing that I'm trying to do now is to make those three proteins from the squid crystals artificially in the lab and see if I can actually make those crystals artificially and then figure out how they work. So you've got a lot of crystal growing going on at the moment. Well, I haven't got that far yet. I'm still trying to make proteins artificially. Like Kurt said earlier, you, you can spend an awful lot of time trying to make proteins happy. But it's an essential part of the process. That was Miriam Sharp from the University of Otago. Her research on bioluminescence and firefly squid is funded by a Marsden grant. We also heard from Kurt Krauss. That's all for now. For more, check us out on the web rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. Kakite anō. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.